Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Do I start with Doc Rivers? Is it on Joel? Is it on Larden? The answer, as always, is yes. The answer, as always, is all the above. They all deserve every bit of the smoke, every bit of the heat that they're getting this morning. Yes, even my dude, Big Joe. In fact, especially my dude, Big Joe. 15 points on 5 of 18 shooting is not going to get it done in a legacy-defining Game 7. Getting completely and totally, totally outclassed. Totally trashed. You can leave for a week and the Tourette's is always there. There is no cure for jungle Tourette's. I can leave for 30 years and I'll be doing that. Totally outclassed. In every way by Jason Tatum. Like, that's not going to get it done. That's not going to get it done in a legacy defining game seven. Getting completely locked up by 36-year-old Al Horford in a legacy-defining Game 7 is not going to cut it. Everybody expects better from Joel, and they should. He is the league MVP. Because everybody knows he's capable of much better. And everybody expects much better from the MVP. Nobody would say the dude looked anything like an MVP yesterday. And as bad as Joel was on the court... And he was terrible. He was somehow as bad, if not worse, at the podium after the game, which is hard to believe because generally nobody is better in that spot than Big Joe. Generally, you do not expect Joe to come out and brick the postgame too. No, your shots are not always going to fall, but that guy makes every shot he takes generally at the podium. Yet somehow he managed to go viral for this tone-deaf response to a question about James Harden's future in Philly. Check it. You can't win alone. Uh, I can't win alone. I can't. Me and James, we just can't win alone. You know, that's why basketball is played 5-on-5. So, you know, we just need everybody to just, you know, try to keep finding ways to get better. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be fine. You two can't win alone? You two can't win alone. Big Joe, my dude, you two were terrible. You two were combined minus 58. Your supporting cast was not the problem. You know what the problem was? You, you and Harden. You two were not going to win that game yesterday if your supporting cast was the 92 Dream Team. Look, I'm not sure if that's really what he meant to say or what the hell he actually meant to say. Unfortunately, that's what he did say. That's what came out of his mouth. Quote, I can't win alone. Me and James, we just can't win alone. Can't win alone. End of quote. I mean, unfortunately, I'm not sure Big Dude could have found a worse set of words to use after that performance. And honestly, I don't really care what the question was or what he thought he was saying in that response. A lot of people are trying to make the argument that it's out of context. It's out of context. He said what he said. I didn't cut that up. I didn't edit that. He just said, James and me can't win alone. No, but you damn near lost it alone. Minus 58, the two of you. And yet you're going to point to people around you? Make that make sense, big fella. 
I guarantee he's going to want that one back. And if he doesn't, he should. Problem is, there's no getting that back. <laughs> and then there's more. This is something else, too. Not a great time to go all Troel, and I love Troel. I love Joel, and I love Troel even more, except in that spot. He went all Troel with it. Big Joe decided to do that after the game, too. And I admit, I laughed when I saw it. It's funny. It's really funny. It made me laugh. However, using that moment, an extremely pathetic moment, after an extremely pathetic showing, and another Philly catastrophe, using that moment to troll Giannis was probably not the smartest move either. Uh, so for me, I just look at it, you know, it's a good step. Uh, like someone said, um, it was not a failure, you know, steps to success. Um, but yeah, you just gotta, no, it's tough. Um, but, you know. Like, you could tell Troel was pretty happy with himself with that one. You could hear the smile on his voice when he said it. And I got to admit, I did laugh. I chuckled when I saw it, but my man, wrong place. I would never, ever say that Troelling is the wrong place at the wrong time, but that was the one time that you should not have gone Troel. If there ever was a wrong place and a wrong time to Troel, it was after that pathetic showing yesterday. At least trolling Giannis points out how ridiculous it would be to act like yesterday was not a failure for Philly. That's why that was such a bad take by Giannis. Imagine Joel trying to say, it's just part of the process. It's not a failure. It's just a step in the right direction. No, it's not. That absolutely was a failure. An all-time failure. One of the most embarrassing Game 7 losses chased by one of the most tone-deaf press conferences ever. That game was tied at 55 it was tied at 55. So even more embarrassing when you consider what happened to Coach Bud after Giannis called the Bucs season a, quote, step to success. Once again, go find Coach Bud and ask him after he got axed whether or not he thought that getting fired was a step to success. Hey, Coach Bud, how do you feel about that? You just got broken off. You won a championship there. You'd won like 70% of your games. How do you feel? Fine. You know, it's just a step to success. You know, steps to success. Um. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, even Doc, even Doc, who assumes he's coming back this next season, would not say that that was a step to success. Ho, 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 ho. Doc. <laughs> Johnny boy in New York. Oh, boy, Doc. <laughs> oh, Johnny boy. Anyway, look, I don't want to pin this all on Doc, but I've got to pin a good chunk of it on Doc, right? I'll give him this much. Nobody in the history of the association has been better at losing Game 7s than the good doctor. I mean, that's not even sarcastic. That's not even me turning a phrase. That's true. That's just facts. Doc has now lost 10 Game 7s. 10! Not one, not two, not three, not, three, not, not four, four, not five, five not, not six, three, not, three, not nine. Ten. Ten game sevens. And he's lost his last five in a row. Seriously. How is that even possible? How the hell is that even possible? How is anybody even allowed to stick around long enough to lose ten game sevens and five in a row? And it's somehow even worse than that. 
because dude doesn't just lose game sevens. He loses them in the most spectacular fashion, almost always after leading the series. Check this. That was the seventh time Doc has had a 3-2 lead or better in a playoff series and somehow wound up losing that series. And, of course, often against lower seeds and teams that are less talented than the one he's coaching. Essentially, Doc has one of the worst resumes of all time when it matters most. That's a damn good thing he's got that ring. The only player who can even compete with him in that category is, let's move on to the next one, The Beard, a.k.a. one of the two superstars who completely no-showed for Doc yesterday. And I don't just mean during the game. Harden definitely no-showed the game, but he also had this answer when asked if he wants to see his head coach back next season. When you got here, you said that one of the reasons you wanted to come, if I'm not mistaken, was Doc. How has your relationship been with Doc, and would you like to see him back? Uh, I mean, I okay, our relationship is okay. Uh, uh, our relationship is okay? Wow, Beard, ringing endorsement. I mean, even Joel said Doc's done a great job, even though Doc has not done a great job. They're out early again. You know the amazing thing, sidebar quickly on Beard, like the guy went into the tank. He had two great games, and he had some absolutely horrible games where he went invisible, where they had to have the guy. But the thing is, they need to keep him. He's a free agent to be. If they let him go, then what? What, are you going to argue to me that they're better without Larden? Even at this juncture of his career, what are they going to replace him with? So in the meantime, you've got Doc, and Doc's got time left on his contract. So you go to one of the stars you have to have, and that star says, yeah, it's all right. Our relationship's okay. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though, see terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. So him trying to deflect any blame is also incredibly fat. Rich. Fat. Considering the near zero he contributed during, no, let me check that, the actual zero that he contributed during the most important minutes in that series. And I mean that, literally zero. zero. The zero. dude, check these numbers. He did not score in the fourth quarter of games five, six, or seven. Generally, games five, six, and seven are pretty critical. Generally, the fourth quarter of games five, six, or seven are pretty critical. Generally, it's the difference between winning and losing. He didn't just go goose egg in crunch time yesterday. He didn't do a damn thing in crunch time in the entire back end of that series. He did not score in the fourth quarter of games five through seven and only put up six shots in those three quarters combined which is even worse than disgraceful. I mean, that is some Ben Simmons bullcrap. Simmons gets his own take, by the way. How about this dude? I'll just touch on it briefly right now, but how about this dude? Pretty goofy. And Goofy is putting it very kindly. 
Yeah, I want to stay on the air. I've been off for a week. I don't want to come right off the air after getting back after one segment. Pretty goofy to see Simmons take the chance to gloat on Instagram by posting a pic, watching the blowout from his crib. Yo, Ben, my guy, you're the only person in the world who can't talk right now. You're watching from home for a reason. We saw you in one of these Game 7s. You were just as afraid to shoot the ball as the beard. And it ended just as badly for the Sixers. In fact, Ben, you were easily one of the single worst things that ever happened to the Sixers franchise. I could even argue you're one of the worst things ever to happen to that town, to that city, to Philadelphia sports. You know, you. You're right up there with yesterday. Ben, you're right up there with getting blown out by Boston in Game 7 after holding a 3-2 series lead. So, my man, instead of sitting there in your crib with a glass of wine and a bottle of water and screenshotting them getting blown out, you actually deserve some of the blame for that, too. Since there is no beard in Philly without you essentially quitting on the Sixers. So, like I said at the very top, Plenty of blame to go around here. And really no wrong answers. What are you going to tell me? Doc isn't to blame. Joel's not to blame. James Harden's not to blame. Ben Simmons isn't to blame. Who's not to blame here? Because that was an absolutely enormous game. That was a legacy game for everybody mentioned. For Joel. For Harden. For Doc. For Philly, for the entire process, let's face it, as great as they have been in the past, these are not exactly known as dudes who have come up huge on the big stage, right? If anything, it's the opposite. I know, Philly fan, that you are used to catastrophe and disaster, although you have had some success in recent years. I know the things that hurt, hurt more than what feels amazing feels great. I know this. But I know you're used to catastrophe and disaster, but you got to admit, this ranks right up there with some of the worst. Am I right? Tell me I'm wrong. Get up in here and let me know how you're feeling right now because I already know how you're living. Like crap. It's not a failure, you know, steps to success. Dude, I mean, you're a funny guy, Joel. One of my favorite guys. That's just not the right time for a joke. That, that didn't work. And I think that all your trolling works, except that time. As far as you clones... No, no, I would never cover Doc at this point. How do you cover a guy who's lost 10 game sevens? But what I'm not going to do is downgrade Doc to nurse practitioner Rivers like you clones keep urging me to do. If anything, I might just refer to him as Glenn. I might downgrade him to that. But even Glenn Rivers knows that nobody is safe in this business, and especially right now. Hey, Doc, are, are you planning to be the coach of the team next year? Yeah. Yeah, I, got a, I think I got two years left. So, Given the tenor of what you've seen happen in the last two or three days where coaches of the year, guys with titles. Yeah, no one's know. safe in our business, you know, and I get that. Given the tenor of what you've seen, It's a nice way of putting guys much better than you have gotten their asses canned. How are you feeling about your situation, Glenn? 
given the tenor of what you've seen happen in the last two or three days where coaches of the it's year. It's true. Guys Some really good titles. coaches have gotten broken off. They're going to be floating around, available. You know, if you're Philadelphia and you know that Monty Williams is available, you know Nick Nurse is available, you think that maybe Ty Lue might be available, and then you're looking at what you have right now, would you make a move? I mean, I got to say, I got to say, let me tell you about this. Like, if it weren't a best of seven, if it were a best of five, then Doc would be Red Arback, Phil Jackson, Spolstra, Pop, Pat Riley, all rolled into one. If it were a best of five, but it's not. Three games, my man would have his own wing in the Hall of Fame. Five games, they'd rename the Naismith after him, the Larry O. I mean, in a way, it's a good way for Glenn Rivers if we don't see his name trending after today. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he's getting fired. But in the current climate, it seems like standard operating procedure for the NBA, right? Yeah, I got. I think I got two years left. You think? Two years or two hours, my guy. Two years or 20 minutes. Two years or before the end of this segment. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of... Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? We are joined right now by Chris McGee. Geeter! My man, how you doing, dude? What is going on, Romy? First off, I just want to say congrats to Jake, the graduate, to you, the keynote speaker, of course, Janet, Logan, who outraged everyone, and you know I always love coming on and talking with the new guy, bud. I appreciate you, dude. Thank you very much. I am the new guy, and the fam appreciates it. I'll let them know that you said that. Great to have you. Hey, listen, incredibly enough, despite that brutal start to the season, the Lakers were 2-10, and, and now they're four wins away from a trip to the NBA Finals. But And you've seen it all. I mean, you have seen it all with this team. Shoot me straight. What was going through your mind when the team was 2-10? and 10? Jim, I think I was just thinking the same thing as Big Game James and Rob and all the guys you know, we roll with in there. Like, here we go again. It doesn't fit. It doesn't look good. We'll be off April 9th. Uh, Big Game will be trying to get some gigs to come in in June to hang out with us because he wants to work into July, you know, so we're always talking about that, laughing, like, I can't believe we're here. I mean, you and I have talked to you many times. You know, when this network started 11 years ago, man, we've had some down years, and I was the first face that you would see, and then they finally get good and they win, but it's in the bubble and you don't get to be there, and it just it's different, right? It was unique. 
and it was special, but it wasn't the same. So this just feels right. But at two and ten, man, there just didn't there just didn't seem like there was going to be a light at the end of the tunnel, right? I mean, and then injuries started to pile up, and it just listen, Jim. They were still in eleventh place with you know twelve games to go. Exactly. I mean, it did not look good, Chris. It did not look good at the start. And then even after the moves were made, it still didn't look so great. But what about that? I'm curious. You mentioned the guys that you're working with. What did you all think of the moves that Rob Palenka made when he made them at the deadline? When you just saw the work work that he did and you looked at it on paper, how did it feel to you? You know, I'll be honest with you, Jim. It's a crazy stat that since those trades, the Lakers are the best team record-wise in the NBA. And it started with the Rui trade, if you remember. And and I can – distinctly remember James saying, man, I really like this one. And then Rob, Rob came in two days later and was like, I love Brewie. And we were very excited about that one. But when the bigger one came, when everyone joined, and you watched them play even without LeBron those first few games, they looked real good. I think they went 2-1 and one in those first three. And you could just tell, Romy, I think we get so caught up in today's NBA that you need super teams and all these stars. You really don't, man. The recipe and the teams that win, it's, it's a couple of all-stars that play well together, and then pieces that fit, Rome, right? Like role guys, defenders, wings, guys that can space the floor, the, the Austin Reeves of the world that are going to take charges and dive on the floor and get you extra possessions. It's about fit, and, and that's what we noticed right away. Like, I don't know how far they're going to go. I don't know what, where they're going to be in the playing game, but this team fits, and it just looked better, and it looked better immediately, Romy. Chris McGee joining us. All right, so in terms of guys that fit, you're a SoCal native. You have followed this team your entire life. Can you recall <laughs> a more unlikely hero than Lonnie Walker the fourth going off for 15 in the fourth quarter the way he did in that critical game four win over Golden State? It was so cool, Romy. And then to see after the series, you know, Steph Curry gave him his jersey. I'm not sure you saw that, but he signed it. And then at the bottom he wrote, hey, P.S., man, I'm never going to forget game four. Like, you know what's crazy, Jim? Like, all the text chains I'm on with my boys and friends and just, like, running into people around town, want to talk Lakers, and and, and you know me for a long time, and I I love it. You know, it's my thing. And uh, and I, I would get asked so many times, like, what about Lonnie? How come Lonnie's not playing? And really, Jim, it was just a, a byproduct of there, there weren't any more minutes for him, right? Like new guys came, and they're looking at Beasley, and especially for next year. But for Darvin to make that move, and he actually did it in game three. And Lonnie came in and looked good in game three. But game four, to roll with him, and I was at that game. We did the show from there. And, and I'm telling you, he left him in the entire fourth. And that's where I was like, man – Darvin's making his bones today. Like he's, he's, he's doing it. Like he's a new coach in the playoffs. That's a bold move. It's a, it's a risky move, and he did it, and it paid off, and I couldn't have been happy for Lonnie. Jim, I'm going to tell you one quick thing. I was on the floor right there going into the locker room to cover the team, and I was kind of under that basket. I have never seen this in my career. When that buzzer sounded, every guy on the team individually went out to the court and congratulated Lonnie and hugged him. I don't think I've ever thought that, that. That told me a lot about the squad. I was going to say, what does that tell you, Chris? I mean, obviously, yeah. when they needed it most, this guy shows up incredibly. Is that about him? Is it about the team? Is it about both? Exactly what was that about? Well, I mean, listen, Jim, like your sons have been baseball guys, right? I'm sure they've been buying into the, to the team their whole lives. You've probably taught them that. Guys on your show that, that, you know, we only know their names or we hear them once in a while. Everyone's a part of it. It showed me that they buy in that they genuinely love this guy and they were happy for him. Like Beasley, Mo Baba, guys who aren't playing, Troy Brown, whose minutes are now gone because of Lonnie Walker, out there hugging him. And that's, that, that's real, Jim. Like you cannot fake it. And it just told me like, man, they're all bought in and they're in a great place. Doesn't mean you win the title, but they are in a great place and they're right there for the taking. Because listen, man, you, you know how much I respect Golden State. 
B.B. Kerr, the champs. Like, I was never comfortable, Romy, at all in this series because of the respect I have for that team. But at that moment, you could feel that they were right there to take it. We are talking to Chris McGee. So, Chris, your point is well taken. And I said this myself. I mean, this run in and of itself is amazing, but there's still so much work to be done. The next four wins, right, are the hardest wins. And then you got four more after that. Let me ask you about the Nuggets. They have looked tremendous so far this postseason. How do you think this Lakers squad, now that it's been completely rebuilt, how do you think this version of the Lakers matches up with the Nuggets? I think they match up great. I also would say that if I was on a Nugget show about them, right? Like, this is a 2-2 series, uh, you know, in terms of the regular season. But like you said, with all the new pieces, they haven't seen each other much. So I think it's going to be, you know, that game one's going to be a huge feel-out game. After the first two games, we'll know more. But on paper, Romy, the Lakers match up well. I, I, it's just it's funny to me, Rome, that no one's really talked about the Nuggets through this whole thing, you At know, all. when the playoffs started. They were the number one team for a reason with Josh Kroenke and Calvin Booth, the GM, have been able to do there. Malone, the coach, like, that's a phenomenal team, and it just baffles me that no one really gives them respect, but I know the Lakers do. The Lakers know how good this team is, and uh, it, uh, I think it's going to be an absolute battle, Jim. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes seven. Obviously, I'm going Lakers in six because I like that pattern, you know, of trying to go up 3-2 and then win it at home, but I mean, the Nuggets are, are a problem, and if they get to the finals, if they can beat the Lakers, I'm picking the Nuggets to win. They're absolutely a problem. Chris McGee is joining us. Jokic is a huge problem. Ask the Suns. Look, you're never going to shut that down, yep. that guy down completely, but how much more difficult do you think AD, assuming AD is out there, how much more difficult will AD make Jokic's life if he's on the floor consistently? Yeah, I, I think you hit on the key there. He's got to be on the floor consistently. And, and I feel, Jim, where AD can at least make it hard for Jokic, because let's be honest, he's, he's the best offensive player in the game right now. What that guy's been able to do, is truly remarkable. I mean, obviously, Steph is in that you know same category, but I think AD creates such a mismatch for so many people, Romy, because of what he does on both sides of the floor. I've been saying this and banging this drum for a couple months to anyone that'll listen because I feel like AD gets critiqued more than any other star. He absolutely has to deliver like nobody else on both ends of the floor. If AD is not your best defensive player and best offensive player, they usually don't win. That's a lot. Right, so I, I think where AD has to create problems for Jokic, Rome is is on, when he's playing offense. I think they got to put Jokic in actions. They got to do it to Murray as well. You kind of saw how the Lakers attacked Steph, um, especially when he was on LeBron. They take him down to the post. You have to wear those guys out a little bit when they're playing defense because they are so hard to stop offensively. So AD's got to have those games, man. He's got to be active on both ends of the floor and try to make life tougher on Jokic because you're not going to stop him. But if you can tire him out, Romy, then, then you got a chance, man. Chris McGee is my guest. Chris, before you go, let me ask you this. Like, this is no hot take, all right? AD is the best player on the Lakers, and I don't even think it's close. Yep. When he's right, now put aside the injuries, which are really frustrating and even to a certain extent inexplicable, but what about when he is out there and the ups and downs he has? He's played really, really well, and again, when he's right, I don't think they can lose. But how do you explain the fact that you don't get that from him every night when he is out there? The enigma that is AD. I, I think it's such a great question, Romy. And, and, and I will say this, and, and I'm not trying to be a homer, but I, but I do think defensively, at least in the playoffs, he is there and he's engaged every single night. I think offensively, sometimes what happens, the Lakers struggle in the half court. They're not getting out and running. He's coming up and setting the, the high pick and roll. He's not getting the ball. 
He's not the kind of guy, Rome, like Shaq, that's just going to go plant in the post, right? He likes to face up. He likes to be active. And there's just times where he's not getting the ball as much. And, and listen, he's not a guard. He's not Jokic. He's not going to have the ball all the time. So he also needs others to help him get the ball. And sometimes, Rome, he just attacks differently. That's all I can say. I mean, listen, we spend a lot of time talking about it on our shows. But when he – I'll say this, Rome. When he gets the ball – and he attacks before the double team comes. And you can tell right away, Romy, if he's going fast to the basket and he's drop-stepping, he's really tough to stop. But if you add in the 8- to 10-footer and he hits it early, you know he's going for a big night. If he doesn't hit it early, you, you, you have to hope that he can get it going. But those games, Rome, where he's like 10 to 13, 10 to 14 points in the first quarter, he's gotten to the line four times, you know it's a big AD night. Because uh, it, is, it is a question, man. It's a legit question by you. 100% it's, it's, in your it response. It really is, man. No, you're so right. I mean, Joker is Joker, but make no mistake, AD is the one guy that Nugget fans do not want to see. And especially if he shows up the way you just said, that he does show up at times. If he's getting to the line and he's getting his early on nugget fan does not want to see that chris before you go because you've been there for so long and you've seen everything you know the lakers last title was in the bubble and i'm not going to be a guy in fact i've made i've been on record as saying not only do you not slap an asterisk on that i think it's probably even tougher to win in that environment during the pandemic but let me ask you this has the crypt ever been any more electric at any point during the lebron james era in la than it is right now and for those who just want to dog la and the lakers what's it like inside that building right now thank you for bringing that up jim because you grew up in socal as well you know the forum days of course the Shaq and kobe days the kobe and pow days i am telling you right now i have not heard it since those championship years it has been so special, and I couldn't wait to get there, Rome. I didn't get in the building until game four for the Memphis series. So I was kind of thinking about it. I'm like, man, the last time I was in a great environment was game seven, 2010. That had been the last time me personally had been in the building with that kind of atmosphere. I actually sent my girls to game three because, man, listen, they're 15 and 12 now. They've never been a part of it, Romy. And, and that was when the Lakers went up 35 to 7 or whatever. It was the Dylan Brooks game. And they came back, and I think that hooked them for life, right? And that's what kind of my boys wanted. And I've been there now twice. We did two shows there, uh, one, one per series. And you hit it on the head, man. When, when L.A. is going, people forget. Knock us all you want. You goofs all over the country. They think we're soft. But I'm telling you, man, you go to Dodgers when it counts. You go to Lakers when it counts. I'll put it up against anyone, Romy. Quote, you goofs got that? We have other <laughs> things to do in this town. I'm not going to say that we're not front runners. I'm just saying that we will not. We're not going to live and die only with the teams. If they don't show up and they don't win and they don't win a certain way, we will find something else to do. That's part of being here in SoCal. This is why he is a two-time Emmy Award-winning broadcaster. He is a Lakers studio host for Spectrum Sports. Sportsnet, co-host of the Lake Show podcast, very good friend of mine. Also, the Lakers and Denver, game one tomorrow night. Geeter, Chris McGee, my guest. Chris, appreciate you, man. Love you. Thanks so much for doing that. Love you. You and me can't win alone, Jimmy. Remember that. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. All right, so as you all know, I've been doing this for a minute. Very few things surprise me anymore. If anything ever does at all, I mean, really nothing does. But I have to say, 
I literally cannot believe that John Morant did what he did. I can't believe I'm about to do another segment about John Morant waving a gun around on social media. I've seen so much stupid in my life, but I'm not sure that I've ever seen anything quite like this. I even had to check the date like six times to make sure that what I was seeing was not the original report, but a new report. But this is what I saw from the Grizzlies yesterday. Quote, we are aware of the social media video involving John Morant. He is suspended from all team activities pending league review. We have no further comment at this time. End of quote. So yes, that statement really is from yesterday morning, not a few months back. It's a different statement. It's a new statement. Because Jaw really did post another Instagram Live on Saturday where he was waving a gun around. And if it feels like we just did all of this, it's because we just did all of this in March. After he flashed a gun on IG Live from the back of a club in Denver, which was incredibly moronic and reckless. But going through all of that, getting suspended for that, apologizing for that, arguably costing himself $30 million, 39 I should say, in his next contract, over that, all of that, and here we are, and he did the exact same thing, but in a car two months later. Here we are. And it's so much worse now than it was then. Dumb does not begin to describe how stupid it is to run that back and find himself in the same position he was in only a couple of months ago. Only much, much worse this time. See, here's the whole, exactly. You don't want to run that back, Jaw. That's the last thing you want to run back. Here's the thing about the entire incident from back in March. He essentially got a slap on the wrist. He did. He got eight games. He did some counseling, allegedly. He put out a statement which read, quote, I'm sorry to my family, teammates, coaches, fans, partners, the city of Memphis, and the entire Grizzlies organization for letting you down. Statement goes on, quote, I'm going to take some time away to get help and work on learning better methods of dealing with stress and my overall well-being. End of quote. It's kind of clever the way they put that thing in there about stress. Like, I just need to learn to deal with stress a little bit better on, or a little bit better from now on. Yeah, I don't think that was about stress. Because he put all of that out there, and obviously it didn't mean a single word of it. Obviously. Because on Saturday night, he issued a statement of his own. You know, kind of an unspoken statement, an implicit statement, but the statement was... I'm not sorry for bleep. I didn't work on bleep. I didn't learn jack bleep. If anything, I'm getting dumber by the day and by the hour. So now he's suspended once again by the team. And now we wait to hear from Commissioner Ears. And this time, Ears is going to have to really swing the hammer. Something he did not do last time. The Grizzlies, and believe me, they are not without blame. They have completely empowered and enable this guy to do whatever the hell he wants, whatever the hell he wants, with no accountability whatsoever. And that eight-game suspension that Ears slapped on his wrist obviously was not a deterrent at all because he's out here doing the same exact thing. Of course he's got to hammer that guy now. The only question now is, how hard? What's the suspension look like now? 
if eight games got them nothing, where do you start now? 25? Half the season? More? He has to come down on him now. And here we were all led to believe that it was villain, er, victim Brooks, who was the big distraction. He was. Don't get that twisted. Yet somehow Jaw saw that and said, forget villain Brooks. Wait until you get a hold of or a load of villain Morant. You think victim took some serious heat for poking a bear? Wait till you see the actual heat that I'm packing. For no apparent reason at all. Bad enough given the number of mass shootings that we continue to see over and over again in this country. That this dude is just flippantly waving guns around in clubs, in cars, wherever. I mean, I don't condone any of that at all on any level. I really don't. I don't condone any of that. Not what he's doing. But how about the level of stupidity that it would require to continue to rush to social media to document and flash that heat? Seriously, dude, how addicted are you to the likes that you keep rushing to social to flash the metal? Then again, what's the point of flashing the piece if no one's going to see it? Am I right, Jaw? So what do we have here? We have a small market team with a Hall of Fame talent, a transcendent talent, Hall of Fame team, face of the franchise talent, and a 10-cent brain. And you tell me who's running that franchise, management or your star. Clearly it's Morant, and he's running it and his career right into the ground. I mean, can you really scapegoat Dylan Brooks on this? I'm not saying that Brooks didn't get what he had coming to him. A lot of heat, a lot of pushback. But they did try to scapegoat him. They did try to put it all on him. Are you going to try and put all of this on Brooks too? You know, you try to blame Brooks for the reason or as the reason for losing to the Lakers. Like, essentially, they have bet everything on John Morant. And from the looks of things... The Grizz are going to crap out because if Jaw does not get it by now, after what already happened, is there any reason to believe that he's ever going to get it? I mean, dude, wake the hell up before you piss away the greatest opportunity ever and you take an entire franchise and a town down with you. I can't believe we're having this conversation again. Then again, what do I know? The hell do I know anyway? What do I know? Why don't we take it from somebody who probably has a better take? Why don't we take it from Kwame Brown? Now, if you think I'm setting this up to clown Kwame, you'd be wrong. Kwame has thoughts. Now, you all know Kwame is a first overall bust. An alleged all-time bust. It's not why I check on Kwame. I check on Kwame for his takes. His takes on things. And he now suddenly has come out of the woodwork, and my man's got lots of takes. So, John Moran, you like to play with guns, huh, boy? You like to play with guns, huh, boy? You like, you like to play with guns. So instead of you just being in your house, buying all the guns you want, playing with all the guns you want off camera, you want to 
get in trouble for having a gun at a club, give a bullshit apology, and then show a gun on Instagram Live. I've heard of NBA young boy, but you NBA dumb boy. You got to be the dumbest motherfucker in the league. You got $231 million promised to you, and you want to be a fucking thug? Damn, Kwame. Hard to rate who's the dumbest MFer in the league. Kwame just made it pretty clear who he thinks it is. You got 230 some odd million. You have got to be, quote, the dumbest M bleeper in the league. I mean, I don't know who's number one. He's definitely in the conversation. He's definitely on the short list. Kwame made no bones about it. He made it very clear who he thinks it is. I mean, if I wanted to, if I were about that life, I could probably burn a segment or an hour or a show on trying to figure out who the dumbest M bleeper in the NBA is. We could do an NBA dumbest M bleeper Mount Rushmore. Dumbest motherfucker in the league. Except I don't do Mount Rushmore again. We're not doing that. But after hearing Kwame, maybe there's no need. Maybe we have our answer. And I'm not going to clown that NBA dumb boy gloss. You know why? And maybe there was a time where none of us thought this, but I'm going to tell you straight up. I don't want any Kwame smoke. I don't want that smoke. I've seen this dude's act on social media more and more often. So I'm not going to clown him for the NBA dumb boy gloss. But you NBA dumb boy. Maybe a spot below Jawick. I don't know. Kwame's not playing. One more time, Albie. Kwame Brown. And before you come up in here and say, gives a damn about Kwame Brown. He's like the biggest bust ever. Maybe he is, maybe he's not. But I don't want this smoke. And is he wrong in what he says? I don't care where you were drafted, what kind of career you had. Just listen to what the guy's saying. Is he wrong when he says this? You like to play with guns. So instead of you just being in your house, buying all the guns you want, playing with all the guns you want off camera, you want to get in trouble for having a gun at a club, give a bullshit apology, and then show a gun on Instagram live. I've heard of NBA young boy, but you NBA dumb boy. You got to be the dumbest motherfucker in the league. You got $231 million promised to you, and you want to be a f***ing thug? I'm not really sure what the hell the guy wants. He's just out of control. Jaw. And again, I'm not even saying, hey, man, buy all the guns you want. Play with guns all you want. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the fact that this guy continues to do this and rushes right to social? Why? Like I said, dude, man, you must be about those likes. You must be addicted to the likes. Incredible that that could happen again. But if you were to ask Kwame, how could that happen again? Kwame would say because he's the dumbest mother bleeper in the league. The ultimate Laker honk. V, what's going on? Jimbo Slice, welcome back, my brother. I'm not going to be like these other idiots. I want to actually commend you for showing up today and being here after that eventful week that you had. I know it wasn't easy watching your Warriors get stomped out and destroyed like that, 
but you're a true professional, and you took it on the chin, and you showed up today. Just know I appreciate that. It was tough last week, but I got to award the Scar Bros, man. They were awesome. They're my favorite set of twins besides the ones that reside on my lady's chest. But, hey, let's talk about the Lake Show. In order to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. But, hey, the job's not finished. I'm the, I know that. I'm no idiot. There's eight more, but this feels pretty damn good considering we were 2-10. and 10. And, I mean, LeBron, AD, Reeves, D'Lo, they did their thing, man. The defense and depth for this team is amazing. So I got to shout out the guy, the architect, Rob Polinka. Yes, you, Rob Polinka, who I infamously glossed, Rob Pasinka. But let's be honest, he did stink. He stunk like, ah, stunk like a chair that Ian Poulter and Dan Orforsky just sat on. But I got to give you credit, Matt, uh, mad credit, Rob Polinka, for saying no to being the GM's puppet. And, and Jim, this is crazy. I actually have audio footage of the conversation between LeBron and Rob Polinka from two seasons ago. Let me plug it in my phone real quick. Uh, yo, Rob, Rob, open up the tanning bread. Yeah, boss. I mean, LeBron, bring me Russell Dressbrick. I don't think that's his name, boss. Oh, my bad. Yeah, bring me Russell Westbrick. Sir, yes, sir. What did I tell you to call me? King, yes, king. I mean, incredible audio. I couldn't believe that happened. And now we go to this season. Let me plug it in. Hey, yo, Rob, bring me Kyspiracy Theory Irving. Rob, ah, no, enough is enough. I'm getting defense in depth. You do you, King, and let me get like Pee Wee in a movie theater and do me. I mean, amazing audio. Pretty dated reference by Rob Palenka with the Pee Wee Herman thing. But that's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. As always, PV. PV Herman. Good news, bad news. Good news is you're accurate. Your team is, in fact, four wins away from being in the NBA Finals. Bad news. You're now officially off the watch list. You were on it. It was fun while it lasted. You still have six weeks to get back on it and somehow play your way off of it into the actual field. But right now, you're back to the end of the line. PV. However, I like what I see on the phones. Get in here. One eight zero zero six three six eight six eight six. Let's go to Philadelphia. Chad in Philly. Good to have you, Chad. What's up? Rome, what's going on, my man? What's up, dude? Good to send the call. I was gonna tell the Sixers, but man, your jaw call got me kind of messed up. Like my uh, cousin was at Michigan State, and she had to hide when there was a live shooting thing going on. And I don't mean to get too negative about that, but I appreciate how you talk about that stuff. And again, I got to be truthful. I'm not actually from Philly. I'm from Green Bay. And let's do some summer of love with Jordan Love. I love that uh, your kid went to Madison, graduated. That's great. Wisconsin's a great place. I lied to say I was Philly to get on the radio. My bad. <laughs> just run it out. What are you waiting He just said it. I said that I was from Philly to get on the radio. Not a very good call. My bad. Like it worked. I think he's heard me say in the past, man, I love Philadelphia. If you're a Philly fan, you're getting through. Hey, Chalk, you just got deked. He just, he just said it. He just said it. I, I'm not really from Philly. I don't really want to talk about Doc and Joel. I'm actually from Green Bay, and I want to talk about Jordan Love. 
<laughs> My man, I was just in Madison for the better part of a week. I already heard all these things. I know. People are stopping me. Rome, Rome, Rome. What about love? What about love? <laughs> Look at this guy. Man, don't do that. Don't be like that. If you want to let's go to Santa Barbara. They wouldn't do me like that. Ryan in Santa Barbara. Ryan, what's going on? Gaucho. Oh my God, did I really hear this true that the J Radonkey flashed another freaking pistol? What's the matter with this guy? Dude, it's been a minute. I'm glad to be back on. I appreciate the vine. I love you. Uh, you know, avid listener. Uh, you know, Next time you want to come up to SB, dude, I'll take you and DJ. You come visit your mom. I'll take you to Harry's. I'll buy you a French dip. DJ can have a a, a, a salad or whatever she eats, and I'll, I'll get you a couple 1942s, buddy, and, um, you know, we can chat it up. But uh, uh, mad respect. Love the show. Thanks for the vine. You got it, brother. I'll take you up on that. Did I Ray move to Santa Barbara? Is that the 805 I Ray? Let's go quickly to Eric in Texas. Good to have you, Eric. How are you? I'm great, Jim. How are you? Super. Um, so I'm a Rockets fan, and I have been a Rockets fan for almost 30 years, actually. And I saw what Harden did in Houston. And so I have what you might call James Harden, post-traumatic stress disorder. There are only a few. I don't really cry over sports. That's not my deal. But there, are, but there's one game that actually did bring me to tears, and that was Game 7 of the 2018 Western Conference Finals. Rockets, be the defending champs, a chance to make your legacy. That was Harden's legacy game, not yesterday. Yesterday was more of an affirmation of who he is. But 2018, 27 missed three-pointers in a row. They lose, and I knew right then he was never going to win a ring, and they were, gonna never, were never going to win a ring with him. And add to that the 40-point tank job against the Spurs the previous year in game six. Jim, this is just who he is. And if Tilden Fertitta and Udoka have any thoughts of bringing him back, to Houston, I hope they were watching that game yesterday, and I say, hope they say, uh-uh, not happening. That's nice job, Eric. Very well done. Sam Amick is my guest. Sam, great to have you back. How are you? Romy, what's good, sir? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Always good to have you. Listen, Sam, I thought you wrote a great piece this morning for The Athletic about John Morant, so let me start right there. It seems kind of unfathomable, right, that a guy who has already suspended eight games arguably cost himself $39 million, Sam, for waving a gun in a club as well as some other transgressions, essentially goes out, Sam, and does the exact same thing two months later. What was your reaction when you saw the video? Yeah, I was, you know, stunned. It obviously popped pretty early in the morning. And it's funny, I didn't include this in the column because the fans understandably don't like hearing the whining from media members. But from a human component, I kept thinking about the reality that you know, if I was kind of annoyed to have my Mother's Day morning start off like that, I can't imagine being, I mean, first of all, to be honest, you know, J. 
Jaws Mother, I'm sure, on a, a tough day. Uh, just to her son's in the headlines again. But, you know, the Adam Silvers of the world and everybody involved uh, who thought this type of a, a chapter was behind him and it was this deja vu thing was, was pretty unexpected. I would agree with that, Sam. So what do you, if you were an amateur psychologist or not even that, how the hell does this guy not learn his lesson? How does he not learn from past transgressions? What's going on here? How did that happen again? Yeah, I mean, that's the, the, the important question and one that I didn't really explore in the column. I, this was focused on the way the league has handled it and the teams. And, and I, you know, you kind of said, like, uh, you know, I don't have the education or the expertise to understand what's happening with job. We, we've had some, you know, part of the discussion has been focused on uh, alcohol abuse and the idea or the, the possibility that that could be planned for. We don't have that context in this particular video if that's the case. You know, when he was at the club in Glendale, Colorado, the authorities did not find that he was combining the use of the firearm or the, you know, the handling of it with alcohol, which would have put him in more legal harm's way. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know if it's a, uh, a substance abuse thing. I don't know if it's just a bad judgment thing. Uh, I do say, I think it, it's fair at this point to highlight just for the sake of context that this very close friend of his, a guy that he considers a brother, you know, Devontae Pack continues to be part of almost every situation that he's involved in. And that's the, the young man who was sitting in the car, driving the car with him, um, and the same guy that, that was kind of exiled from the FedEx Forum uh, for most of the season after they had that incident with the Pacers on January 29th. So, you know, there's, there's a lot to unpack there, uh, but, but uh, you know, not a good situation. Sam Amick is joining us. You're right, Sam. Like, I don't know their situation. I don't know the nature of the relationship. Obviously, they're very close. I mean, you would think logically that if bad things happen when this guy comes around, maybe you don't spend as much time with that guy. But again, there's a dynamic there that I would never know. I don't know about the two of those guys. You mentioned that the column was in large part about, all right, so what does the league do now? What does the team do now? Let's start with the NBA. I mean, the 39 mil aside that he may have cost himself already, he gets an eight-game suspension from Adam Silver, a slap on the wrist, really what does silver do this time sam i mean i don't have a great sense there you know some chatter that it'll be a longer suspension um we all know that adam has been fairly light on the players over the course of his tenure and i'm sure he gets tired of hearing the comparisons to the late david stern and how tough david was on these types of things but honestly jim and this kind of partly answers your question you know like always, when you write something like this, you're trying to make sure you're fair and decide if you're comfortable with the tone and, and the framing of it. And what really hit me yesterday is I looked at specifically the Gilbert Arenas precedent and then in the NFL, the Plaxico Burris situation was kind of having it really crystallized for me that, that Ja, call it getting lucky, call it, you know, just kind of getting out of it somewhat unscathed. Like it could have been much worse the first time around. Plaxico Burris served 22 months, you know, but but he chose to have a firearm in a club in New York where the, the laws are very different, you know what I mean? And and Gilbert Arenas, who recently was interviewed talking about how Ja was lucky to be back in the playoffs and doing his thing, you know, Gilbert was on house arrest for 30 days, pled guilty to a, a felony possessions charge, lost 50 games. His career, as you know, really kind of spiraled out of control from there because he was a little bit older, about 28 when it happened. So for Ja... Still plenty of time to turn this thing around, but but it's that hole that he's been digging himself is a lot deeper. I think, Sam, that's all fair, what you just said, and the tone is perfect. What about the organization and their responsibility in this? I mean, it's not 
it does not seem, Sam, that they're demanding accountability, responsibility. If anything, they seem to be empowering him. How much of this is on the organization? I think quite a bit. Um, I mean, it's, it's on job first and foremost, right? So we got to make sure that that part is clear. But I feel like, uh, in my experience, Kevin Lee, it's a bit of a perfect storm when it comes to a small market team that, that falls kind of prey to that small market culture where they're so excited to have an incredible player in town that they do everything and anything they can to, to cater to that player. It, it honestly kind of reminds me of the early Kevin Durant days in Oklahoma City and then the way they handled Kevin, except Kevin was, you know, the type of guy that didn't give you, there was no off-court trouble. Kevin was great for the franchise, the organization, and they didn't run into some of these pitfalls. Now what you see is years and years of, of you know, Ja, I think, kind of having his way within the organization and, and not having the personalities and the strength of character culture-wise to support him in the way that I think he needs to be supported. Um, this might be a stretch, but... I think about an organization like the Warriors that every time they've had some sort of crisis or saga that, you know, that that, uh, unfolds publicly, you know, you have people like Bob Myers stepping in front of the camera, talking at length about what's happening. You know, you you have accountability, you have transparency, and that has not been the case here. You know, Taylor Jenkins has been the guy in front of the microphone every single time almost. And, And it's just, I think none of that stuff has helped. I think that's such a good point too, Sam. And it's not only like Bob Myers, and Bob Myers, I'm his biggest fan. He does an amazing job, but there's so much of that accountability and leadership also within that locker room with the veteran talent, with the head coach. So they do absolutely check themselves. So we'll see how it plays out. Sam, before you go, why don't we talk some playoffs? Jason Tatum adds another chapter to the Celtics' postseason history by going off for an NBA Game 7 record of 51 to demolish Philly. What's it say about Tatum that he could shake off those miserable three-quarters in Game 6 and then show up and play the way he did yesterday? I love it. It was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, you're talking about uh, a guy who's elevated among, you know, he's a Tier 1 NBA star. We know that. He got MVP votes for good reason. But you had this backdrop, because all these stars have their own narrative, where the finals last year, people did not forget that if you were picking an MVP of the Celtics in that series against the Warriors, it would have been Jalen Brown, not Jason Tatum. And so naturally you have these questions of, is he a big game performer? So game six, to have the kind of mental fortitude or resiliency, if you will, to have the fourth quarter he had after that train wreck of the first three quarters was incredible to watch. And then to have it segue into this game seven thing where, I mean, it was pretty cool. His mom's sitting there courtside. It's Mother's Day. You're dropping a 50-burger. And this is after that post-Game 6 interview where I, I just loved his tone when he looked at the camera and said, you know, humbly, I'm one of the best players in the world because it was that great mixture of it, it was actually some humility mixed into a whole lot of swagger. And then he went out and it proved it in Game 7. It was incredible. Sam Amick is joining us for another moment or so. Sam, so what about Philadelphia? Now what, right? Doc Doc Rivers now has 10 Game 7 losses, which is twice as many as any other coach in NBA history. Do you see him returning next season? And then how do you think it all plays out with James Harden? Yeah, I mean, I, I do feel like those two questions, Jim, are tied in together. So what happens, in my opinion, from here? is that the Sixers are going to have to have, obviously, conversations with James about his future. Um, you know, when it was 
explored and revealed months ago that he was looking at Houston as a real possibility in free agency and now reportedly maybe, you know, another team on that list. Um, you know, Phoenix has been mentioned. They, they need to take a pulse with James. And then the question becomes if, and this is if, you know, if James's preference is like, yeah, I'll come back, but I think we might need a new voice coaching-wise, like, you know, boy, how does that conversation go? You know what I mean? Because Daryl Morey is his longtime friend and colleague from Houston. Um, you know, let's not forget when he was hired in Philly, uh, Doc, you know, was uh, was there before him, and, and it's not a, a, a Daryl hire. So I think Daryl's got a, a pretty fascinating couple of weeks ahead of him when it comes to deciding how to play all this stuff. Because like Joel Embiid said yesterday, you know, the big fella, the MVP, doesn't think they're done and, and thinks that he and James and the rest of his group should keep kind of pounding the rock, like Greg Popovich used to say. And, and then now the question becomes, you know, how does James see it and how does Daryl see Sam Doc and, and James yeah. within that? My bad. Sorry about that. Sam Amick joining us. Get, You're get. right. You're right. So let me finally ask you, game one of the Western Conference Finals tomorrow night in Denver after that scare with the head injury against the Warriors. Anthony Davis bounces back, 17 points, 20 boards. He helps close out Golden State. How about that matchup between AD and Jokic, who was virtually unstoppable against the Suns? How do you see that playing out, and what are your thoughts on that series? A lot of fun. I mean, this whole kind of bubble flashback thing in the conference finals is wild. The same four teams as 2020 in Orlando. Um, you know, that was a different Jokic back then. He was already elite, but, you know, was trying to find his way on the playoff stage, you know, and, and the Lakers got the better of him in that series. And, you know, and that was after those incredible three to one bounce backs that the Nuggets had, uh, you know, heading into those conference finals. And I'm just dying to see, like you said, Jim, those two bigs. And, and what it looks like now, could AD, you know, if you would have told me in heading into that Warrior series that AD was going to be far and away the most important player in that matchup between the Warriors and the Lakers, that, that would have surprised me. Um, this was Steph against LeBron. This was all the other stars on the court. And AD was the guy. He was the ultimate X factor in that matchup. And so now can he be that kind of just incredibly dominant defensive presence when it comes to Jokic, who – Optics aside, you know, physique aside, we know what, what that man does. He wears you down. He actually runs the court a whole lot better than people realize and, and has the kind of stamina that, uh, that, that is going to be a lot for AD and that group. I think it'll be fun to watch. Hey, Sam, not to be greedy, but let me be greedy. You could do an entire column or a series of columns on this, but how about a quick thought or two about Golden State? Where do they go from here? Because like Daryl Morey, Bob Myers. In fact, he's one of the decisions. There's going to be a lot of decisions to be made with Golden State. How about a quick thought or two about where they go from here? Yeah, I, I'm a little surprised. I feel like we we have a little bit more clarity at this stage than I thought we would. I thought it would be wide open. You know, is Draymond coming back? Are they going to extend Clay? Is Bob Myers coming back? Um, I, I feel like coming out of that series against the Lakers, it seems unofficially kind of clear that the big three is staying together. Uh, I expect Draymond to resign in some capacity. Um, at both sides are talking as if that's going to be the case. The Clay extension, we shall see. I think maybe a tough conversation there because, you know, if, if he thinks he's getting the max, you know, he's got another thing coming. So what does that number look like? Uh, but but in, in terms of Clay wanting to be there, I think that remains the same. And, and Bob is probably the biggest question mark because, uh, the, the, to me, the pull of him wanting to possibly – head for the exit was that he saw this group inevitably getting broken up. And if that's not going to happen and they might have a, a, another run in them, where does that leave Bob's state of mind? 
and his energy level when it comes to this job, and, and I don't think we have an answer there yet. You know, it's so interesting. I talked to him not too long ago on my podcast, and, you know, Sam, you know Bob Myers. It would not surprise me if he not only left but just got out of the game altogether. He's that guy. Right. Finally, right. and you've been amazing. What about Jordan Poole? I mean, that extension's going to kick in. Are they all in on him, or do you think that maybe, maybe not? Yeah, I, I definitely go with the latter. Um, I feel like, for one – I don't know. That dynamic between Jordan and Draymond, as you know, a lot of people have said and highlighted and reported, never fully healed. It just did. Um, and so I don't think it's ideal to bring both guys back. And if Draymond is the guy coming back, then it seems natural that they would look at possible deals for Jordan. Now, that being said, the counter to that is that his value is just at an absolute low right now. And negotiation-wise, it's not very wise to have that be a time that you think about moving him. So maybe they need to, to you know, head into the deadline in February, letting him get his legs under him and remind people around the league how talented he is, and maybe something happens at that point. But it was a, a terrible postseason for Jordan, and, and it's hard to not feel like a, a big part of it was the backstory of, of the punch with Draymond back in October. And that's so much great information. He is a senior writer for The Athletic. He previously covered the NBA for USA Today, SI, and the Sacramento Bee. Very, very good friend of the program. He is Sam Amick. Sam, appreciate you so much. Thank you very much. That was great, as always. Thanks, Roman. Be good, brother. Have a great day. You too, Sam. Sam Amick. Good night now!